Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and I'm here with Alex Schieferdecker on the phone. Hey man, Alex, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Well educated, Alex Schieferdecker. I, I keep on forgetting to give you your new Landon Donovan uh, um, nickname. Um, uh, speaking of Landon Donovan, uh, Landon Donovan, Club Leon. Who would have guessed that that wasn't a joke and that was a real thing? Not me. Yeah. Not me. It's a very bizarre, uh, it almost has a, a kind of like um, three amigos feeling to me. Like he's going down there to, he, he was like going down there to like endorse something and then like accidentally found himself on a team and now he's like, oh crap, yeah. I have to like play again. So, I, well, in his defense, that part of Mexico is very beautiful. Yeah. So, okay. I've never been. So, and, Three Amigos is a great movie, so hopefully he has a fun time. Um, so we don't have that much on the podcast uh, between you and I, uh, because on this podcast we are I'm talking to Bobby Warshaw. I've actually, in the, the weird uh, time travel thing, uh, spoken to Bobby Warshaw, even though he will come at the end of the show. Um, uh, and so, you know, I will say at the top of the, the, the show, The Complete Darkness this is one of your last chance to order it. We will have some print copies just on hand, but most of the order I don't order a ton extra other than the pre-orders because uh, I just don't like having crap in my house and uh, and getting bogged down with it. So if you want a copy of the Complete Darkness, which has you know like um, exclusive stats and lung analytics that we talked about with Dave Ladig last week, and uh, you know the the profile of Amos McGee. Uh, game reports, uh, game statistics as well, and you know player profiles. Um, you should buy this book. It's only twelve dollars, which is not much money. Um, and uh, it's available at bylinepress.com. You can go to fifty five one and, and see it there. Um, I'm uh, pretty proud of it, uh, and I think that people will enjoy it. Um, so, anyway, that's my last plug for this. Um, but. Alex, let's uh, let's um, you know just uh, listen to big quarters. We'll come back and we'll start to talk Minnesota United. All right, we're back on the fifty-five-one podcast, and uh, it, it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day today that we're commemorating on Monday, and uh, you have some words of ad- ad- advice for us, uh, Alex. Yes. I, I'd like to read a tweet by uh, Jonathan S. Bad or at Mr. J. Sykes. He says, look, it's not a good idea to use MLK to argue about open soccer systems at no point ever, especially not MLK Day. Okay, everyone, <laughs> we got that? Great. MLK didn't care about promotion and relegation, stop. Yeah, uh, this this comes from Cosmos uh, then deleting a tweet that uh, that kind of, uh, you know, I guess inherently co-opted MLK Jr. to talk about uh, economic uh, oppression and that that's what the Cosmos are going through. And then some people uh, kind of – you had like five people in your mentions being like, no, it is okay. Yeah, anyway. Yes. Uh, that's hilarious. 
Um, <laughs> so the uh, the only bit of, of Minnesota United news this week is Franz Pango, uh, which is, I believe, how you pronounce it. I ran that by Ian Fuller uh, last week, and he seemed to believe that. Um, he is a 24-year-old Cameroonian who uh, briefly played in uh, Sweden, I believe it is. I, uh, it's at, I'm going to destroy it, or greet. Um, and, uh, and then kind of came back to Cameroon, uh, played for the club Union Douala. He has uh, a couple of caps in his name uh, for the Cameroonian national team. And he will likely play left wing and, and uh, come inside. Uh, Alex, your reaction? Uh, well, first of all, yay, we found someone, we signed someone. Um, <laughs> I guess, the, like, th- none of us know anything about this guy. Just, just if we're all honest, we have not the slightest clue what he can do. We've seen his highlights. They're like five minutes long. That's about it. So that being said, I'm, I'm happy that we found somebody who clearly nobody knew about which shows that we are scouting. That's great. And I'm happy that, I, mean, I don't think that this was some guy who we found out about and traveled to Cameroon to see. Like, it, it makes some sense to me that this was a guy who we discovered, who, you know, who Coach Fuller discovered while scouting for someone else. So we know that the team is signing another Cameroonian, Presumably, that was the that was the person Fuller was scouting. We don't know for sure, but but presumably. So, I'm I mean clearly this guy caught the eye, right? He he showed something, and if he is playing in Cameroon and getting Cameroon national team call ups, that shows that he's impressing domestically. So he's. Probably not terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the most we can say. I think um, I have cautious optimism about about the signing. I would not expect him. Uh, I, I have this feeling that he's not being signed to be the starter on day one. Um, but you know, we do have four left wingers right now with Leton, Miguel Ibarra, and Sam Nicholson, and um, only Miguel could be considered any sort of veteran, uh, and. Yeah. We also have the sneaking suspicion that Minnesota want to ship out Miguel. Um, Leyton's on a, a loan until the summer. I, I, you know, if he only got ten or twenty minutes um, last season, I doubt that he's long for uh, the Loons. So um, I, I agree. Like, yes, he's being called up to the proper, uh, you know, to the Cameroonian national team, and you know, he is likely or you know potentially could be at the world cup um and even if he doesn't see that many minutes uh it may be that he can kind of be moved on for a little bit of money not doesn't even have to be that much money um or he can be or he can develop but at at very minimal maybe he could be moved on for money um I, i do the the cautious part is this guy's 24 years old uh you know he's never really played for anything resembling uh the level that we're at now um, uh, of MLS. And um, like 
24 is is pretty old for a, a Cameroonian attacking player, you know, to be coming out. So I don't know that. And the other thing is, um, you know, if we're talking about a, a, a player who's not there to to start and who who uh, is kind of developing, we've got Sam Nicholson for that. So I feel like we should be signing a a, a guy who can make an impact right now and be a leader from the left wing rather than another guy who's developing. I don't know. It still feels it still has the feeling of 2019 soft open, you know, 2018 is a soft yeah. open. Um, you know, we're just tr- we're still auditioning people for 2019. And that get, well, that makes gonna, me nervous. Uh, can I bet you? I'm going to bet you he does not make the World Cup. Okay. Cameroon have not qualified for the um, World Cup. So Cameroon did not qualify for the World Cup? No. <laughs> are you serious? Egypt, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal, and Tunisia are the five uh, CAF countries. Oh. Well, thank you for, jeez, uh, clarifying but that for my it, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, agree with, I agree with you about the wingers. And, and we're in this really strange position, I think, where we have four players who are left wingers and none of them are, like, proven MLS contributors, right? We know Miguel can play. We know Sam Nicholson can play. But what we didn't see from either of them last year was, like, consistent contribution. So we have four players on the left wing, none of whom we know can contribute. And then the opposite wing, on the right wing, we have two right wing players, both of whom are very proven MLS contributors. And both of whom are definitely better on the right wing than on the left. You're so talking about Molino and Finley? In, yeah, so we're in this weird position where we're like a very, we're like pretty overqualified on the right wing. Like we, we were, we're set in that position, and we're not at all set on the yeah. left. Like it's a total mystery who will get the bulk of minutes there. Yeah, And, I, you know, I'm sure the coaching staff has a plan. I'm sure they think they know, but it is just a funny position to be in, and, and it is – funny that after all of the sort of talk about wingers, 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 the, the first, like, real, you know, out-of-the-box international signing that the club makes in the offseason is a left-winger, an unknown, unproven left-winger. Yeah. The, so um, the, the one thing I will say, then, uh, is I was um, conflating two things that Chris Wright said at the Dark Clouds um, annual meeting, which is that he, was, he said at some point that two of the players that they are looking at are likely to be to play at the World Cup could play at the World Cup, and I assumed uh, that he was talking about the Cameroonian players, um, and so then just never even bothered to look that up. So anyway, sorry, <laughs> but um, that they he did make mention of these players that they are looking at. Um, so there's a thing. Um, we can move on from uh, Franz. I will just say that I really hope that we sign a uh, German player named Hans so, so that we can have Hans and Franz uh, connecting and scoring goals, um, <laughs> which is a great 80s joke for, for um, all, all of our uh, young listeners. Um, let's just go right to Twitter questions. We're doing this show in weird order because I've got Bobby at the end. Um, do you have any comments to make about the, the draft? Um, it is this weekend. You're going to be there. Uh, people can pepper you with questions, and I think that you're going to try to do a Periscope or two. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to do some, some coverage, uh, from there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I was watching the, 
combine. I watched all the combine games over the weekend, and I have not yet watched the, today's combine games. I'm going to do that right after we finish recording because uh, I, I have no life. Um, <laughs> I, I was just impressed. I think there's a lot of talent. I think I think it's a good draft for Minnesota to be picking five in the fifth position and to have two early second round picks um, because it seems to me that there is no really super obvious number one selection um, and that there's going to be a very top tier player in the draft available at the fifth selection if we want it. And I think that there are going to be some good players sticking around in the second, in the second round. I think that, you know, all the mock, when I looked back at the players who had impressed me on that first day of, of playing, um, and I looked at the mock drafts that are out there, you know, Matt Doyle's mock draft and Top Drawer Soccer's mock draft, I discovered that the, that the players who I had really liked were all sort of early second round, late first round selections. And so I'm, I'm, Maybe because I like them and everyone else likes them, they'll move up in the draft order. I don't know. But I'm optimistic that, that some of these players are going to be available for Minnesota. Now, Minnesota, I'm sure, has totally different ideas last year. Everything I wanted them to do, they did not do in the draft. Um, but You wanted for, them for to now, take Shamit Shom and They, they didn't, didn't pick Shamit <laughs> Shom and and, you know... I don't know. Their two other picks, unfortunately, were just really badly injured. They weren't necessarily bad picks. They yeah. just one one tore an ACL in preseason, and the other uh, the other turned out to have an injury that was way worse than expected. But you know, I think that I, I the, the draft. I thought last year's draft was good, and Abu Dhabi worked out, and so I I have faith in the team in the draft. That's definitely the case. So I, I'm really excited about this this Friday, and I'm excited about the players who are available. It looked very good out there. I was impressed. Um, well, let's go to these Twitter questions. Eric Beckman says, uh, any discernible signs of a vision for how teammates will play and improve uh, this year? Um, for Minnesota United. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't, I'm sure we'll start getting that a little more in preseason. We have not really heard much from the coaching staff about, about their vision. And I think that that's something that we sort of quasi journalists need to need to look into a little more. And I'll try to ask if I can get time with, with some members of the front office at the draft, I'll try to ask them about that. Yeah. Well, and we also, I don't think we've signed a starter yet, so it's hard. It's kind of hard to say. Um, so, uh, Adam Smith says at the supporter summit, Chris implied that Minnesota United doesn't need an influx of talent to compete. And he gives this kind of quote, if you throw out the first two months of 2017, they're a playoff team End quote. I know it's very unpanicked, but do you see any validity in this? Even if fans are eager to see big signings, uh, I'll say that this is something that I have heard from other people at the club that it was basically like, well, you know, yeah, last year wasn't, what we wanted it to be, but if you take out basically the the three bad games uh, in the the basically the three of the the first four games of the season, uh, the club is a lot better. And you know we really competed with uh, clubs like Toronto and Seattle, etc. Um, Alex, what do you think? I don't. 
it's not wrong, but it's like if if you throw out the first couple, you know, the first bad games, maybe they're off like a they're like a fringiest of the fringe on the playoff. It's not inspiring, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I and, and and to me, actually, you know what really what I guess would really bug me about that comment. It doesn't it doesn't bug me a great deal, but what I think is wrong about that comment is that the team did not get discernibly better over the course of the year. I thought that the team's best stretch of the season was sort of around that game in Toronto where they lost uh, uh, two to three. Um, I think it was two to three. Yeah. yeah. And and against a really good team, I thought that was a good stretch of play for them. And that was early in the season. That must've been around May. Yeah. But their best, Um, I mean, their, their distinctly best set of results was, was that September, August, September, when they, you know, won in Montreal? They had the Atlanta win. Um, there's uh, the Dallas win. Um, those were sort of miracles, sort of come from behind. I, I mean, I'm talking about the, the games where right. they played well. I also thought that that home and home series where they played, uh, um, where they beat Portland and tied Vancouver, um, but very much outplayed Vancouver. Yeah. I thought that was a good series as well. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that the if you look month to month, there was no discernible improvement that I, I yeah. didn't see that the loons were improving relative to the field. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think if you if you also to go back to the statistics conversation from from last uh, week's episode, uh, the fact is we gave up. Um, more shots on goal, uh, you know, all of these statistics that were just overwhelmingly bad. Um, you know, the the team was lucky in many ways to only be the worst defense of all time. I mean, there there should have been more. Bobby Shuttleworth was a great goalkeeper, um, and so I think I think that that there is some validity in, in what Chris Wright is saying. That, but. That that could be said for any any club, right? That that always right. happens. And the fact is, the clubs that were in the playoffs um, didn't let that type of stuff happen, right? Houston had a yeah. coherent game plan. Yeah, and it's not as if these other teams are just standing still. Like you know, you can also say the same thing about uh, you know, a lot of the other teams in the league if they had just made. You know, a couple if they just make a couple more movements, that they'll be a playoff team too. But they're all making those movements. Is Minnesota making those movements? I mean, that's the right. question that we're constantly trying to puzzle out this off season is is whether not the club is getting better relative to where it was last year, but yeah. whether the club is getting better relative to itself. You know, to, yeah. to the other teams in the league. That's what really matters. Yeah, and, and with that, Alex at Hovda on on. Twitter says, with preseason exactly one week away, right? Today we're recording on the 15th. It should start the 22nd. And loads of starting players needed. How many players do you expect Minnesota United to take at the Super Draft? Um, three. They have three selections. I think they'll take three players. I think they only have two. I don't... I think they have, they have two second-round picks. I'm oh. almost sure that they have two second-round picks. All right. We should actually get that before... Actually. I'll look that up right now. Um... um I think that they they are going. I don't think they're going to make some crazy moves for more picks, but I think that they're well positioned. Yeah, um, I I think also 
you know, the the second pick, the, the, the fifth round person could be someone who, like, you know, is like Din Laden and, and can have uh, um, an impact. But I, I would expect these other guys are, are going to be USL players. And so I wouldn't be too uh, concerned with that. You're the right. The Moons we- have the fifth pick, the 28th pick, um, and the 41st pick. Yeah, okay. Um, Brian Hamp says, is the Scarves Up campaign a year too late? Uh, seems like the promotion we never got in 2017. This was uh, the this week there was kind of a, a uh, marketing campaign kicked off by the team, Scarves Up, that was trying to play off of um, two Dark Clouds uh, traditions of kind of doing the Scarves uh, on corner kicks and singing Wonderwall um, with wins. Uh I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I've said all my piece about last year's marketing. Yeah, they needed something. Uh, this year, th- this campaign doesn't really do that much for me. Um, but I am glad to see something very early. I'm glad to see things get out there. So I, I, I feel like I'll take what I can get right now and, and be happy. Yeah. Okay. And I live in Philadelphia, so I'm not qualified to talk about the team's marketing. Okay. <laughs> That's never stopped any of us before. Stephen Brandt says, no. <laughs> uh, "What's the one thing Minnesota United to be better need to be better?" And let me just let me change this question just to be like, let's say we sign, um, we fill out the rest of the roster with bodies. You know, Tyrone Mears is just fine people. If we only got uh, uh, one, and I'm not even going to say stellar DP, I'm just saying one person that that um, will make us be like, oh, this is good. We'll, what position would that be? You're going to say number two. Well, and, I mean, sort of beating a pretty tired drum at this point, but yeah. the, the, the position that has successful teams in MLS have sort of built around has been that number 10 position. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. know. Portland I was with trying Valeri to, and Yeah, I was trying to find a way oh. to ask a question that wouldn't uh, just circle around the same yeah. answer. Sign a number 10. Uh, that's the answer, you know. Yeah. I mean, there, there are other ways to build a team, but but last year we went to great lengths to try to play a four-two-three-one, and so if that is the system that the manager wants to play, then we need yeah that that top attacking player absolutely has to be fantastic, yeah. and we don't have that player yet. Uh. Jake Hemish asks this question: Why did Nazmi Abeldawi sign with FC Cincinnati over an MLS team? Did MLS teams not value his talent? Um, I so yeah, this is this kind of news happened today. Abeldawi was one of those players that was talked up as an NASL player uh, from um, North Carolina FC, who's going who could be uh, MLS bound. The problem is he he's a number ten, um, and you know I I don't think that. I think there was a lot more doubt uh, within NASL about whether or not he could make it in MLS. He's a very talented player, but you know that's a really tough position to play in MLS. That's where people want foreign players. It's the Harry Ship problem, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I think that he can do pretty well uh, at Cincinnati, and so that that doesn't terribly surprise me, to be honest. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I I still um, I would I think he would be perfect as a as a backup in that position in MLS. Um, 
But Cincinnati are not. I mean, Cincinnati are could be an MLS team by the end of the, the month. We don't really know. Um, no, not obviously they won't be playing in MLS, but they're in an ambitious club. Um, they are look to be favorites to join MLS soon. Um, and so, you know, Al Badawi is not young, but he could play a couple of years there and he could make his way eventually on into MLS via that route. I think that he's probably getting paid more from Cincinnati than he would in MLS and he'll definitely play. Uh, he'll be the, the focal point of that team. Um, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a good place to be. It's an ambitious, professionally run club. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't. Maybe he did have some offers from from teams like Minnesota or, or someone else. But for a player like him who knows he can succeed at that NASL level, it makes it's like the I guess the Poku rule or something. You know, it's it's it makes some sense to be a star at that level. All right, well, uh, we are going to cut to a break and come back, and I will be with uh, Bobby Warshaw to talk about the Combine, to talk about players, talk about um, his new gig with MLS as well. Uh, So thanks, Alex, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you. Well, I'm joined by uh, Bobby Warshaw, uh, formerly uh, FC Dallas, uh, of, of also went to Scandinavia, did, um, you know, did his kind of like post, uh, you know, backpacking type thing, uh, except he played soccer and then came back, played for Harrisburg City. Uh, he's written for Howler and a bunch of other places. And now, uh, Bobby, you are officially a Don Garber shill. You work for MLS, writing and, and appearing in uh, videos. Yeah, I mean, I put a different title on my resume. <laughs> sure, but, sure. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could say that. Um, but well, um, welcome back. The last time uh, you and I spoke on this podcast, uh, we were talking about your book, uh, and I hope that it's been well received. I know that uh, uh, some folks in Minnesota were very excited to read it after that. So, um, how how was it received? How did the book go? And uh, are you just? I had no expectations, yeah. so based on that, it's gone really well. Yeah, I've gotten from former players who thought it was great. That's really all I could ask for. When I was writing it, I said, if I do something that former players or current players think it speaks for them, then I've done a good job. But overall, yeah, it's been received pretty well. Great. Um, you also just to just to also catch up. Uh, um, you went on like a a, a big. Uh, journey around the world um where did you just get back from you you were, seems like you were gone for like ever yeah i did for four months i got away from soccer i got away from regular life i did italy switzerland jordan australia new zealand yeah this is still australia and then japan yeah wait Aust- new zealand is not still australia Oh, it's uh, Tasmania. Sorry. Okay, Tasmania. All right, I missed that part. Okay, um, which I didn't know until I was in Tasmania. <laughs> um, so, uh, did, did was it was it like difficult to come back to soccer after the break? And you're like, oh, you know what? I could like not be around promotion, relegation, or, well, or USL f- fights. Seriously, that's another conversation. <laughs> The big question I asked myself, Wes, was the reason I went on the trip was now I'm doing the next thing in life. I wanted to ask if I 
want to stay in soccer? Is it soccer or whatever else there is out there in the world? In my whole life, I said, listen, when soccer is done, it's done. I'm not going to hold on to the dream. I'm not, I want to see what this person, Bobby, is like away from soccer. The truth is, it like, is what gets me excited. You know, I didn't watch many games, but when I did, I really enjoyed it. I didn't talk about soccer much, but when I did, it got me really excited. Well, good. I'm glad to hear I that. Was, it was, yeah. I, I didn't know if I was just in the rat race of writing and reporting and playing, and I was addicted to the rat race, or if I legitimately inherently like soccer. Yeah. And I think it's the latter. Well, um, now you, you, I'm, I was very excited to hear you back on Extra Time Radio as well. I, I always enjoy hearing you on that podcast. Um, and now you are down in Orlando, Florida for the MLS Combine, which is the you know uh, main reason I wanted you to get on the, the podcast. Um, that and there's literally nothing else going on in Minnesota soccer right now. So, you know, we need someone to, to give us some I'm the news. girl you pick up at 2 in the morning, huh? Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm the 2 in the morning girl for what? We need something. We sat at the bar all night waiting for them to sign a number 10. And I guess I got to go home with a, you know, defensive midfielder. Um, although, actually, we would take a defensive midfielder. So, any anything. If you want to come out of retirement and play for us, we'll take that right now. Do we think, do we think Ibsen's not good enough? Is that what you've decided? Um, well... Uh, for those uh, listeners who want to uh, purchase the Complete Darkness 2017 and read about our uh, analytical uh, analysis of how Cronin and Ibsen work together, you know they'll they'll be able to read more about that. But no, I, I, I'm of the um, position that Ibsen is fantastic. Uh, he had way more tackles than anyone else uh, on the team, uh, but that um, he requires a defensive midfielder next to him who um, can do a lot more than Sam Cronin can or anyone else in that position. So if we want Ibsen, and Ibsen is not a long-term solution, we need someone better there. That's that's the, the short of it. That was my pitch to teams. I was like, guys, I feel like I can do the job of defensive midfielder, but I would like if you sign McAuley. If you put McAuley next to me, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be good enough. Yep. So, um, I, uh, I, I want to ask you about the, the combine, um, because this is your first as a media person, right? Uh, you were there at the combine, uh, out of, out of college. Um, and then now you're there as a media guy. What is it, what's it been like? Is it surprising or Yeah. It's way, way more fun when you're covering it media and you're not in it. It's way lighter and easier and less stressful. I can tell you that much. Although you are you are doing play by play on the 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 combine game, so you are like having to fill space and uh, know actual names and and things like that, and have little like notes and tidbits about people. So I I, I can't imagine yeah. it's all uh it, you know. Uh, it's just... a ton of work. I'll say that I work way harder now in media than I ever did as a player. I mean, these are long, grueling days, and I even have one of the easier jobs. Guys like David Goss, Abner Sivas, our producers, they work. 12, 14 hour days at these events, nonstop. My job's a little easier than that. But yeah, trying to learn all these guys, call a bunch of college coaches, talk to MLS coaches, get a scouting report for 50 guys we've never heard of before. Yeah, it has been a little bit of a hustle. Yeah. And uh, and, and what is your kind of perspective on the the, the combine itself and the, the players and, and the play? Um, uh, have what is it can you glean much from it uh, especially when you're trying to to work or, or the play the level of play on the field has been way higher than usual and way higher than we would usually expect it's, the combine gets a ton of crap from everyone for just being bad soccer 
but I feel like this year the play is the the play's been on the ground mostly passing combinations. Everyone's trying to play soccer. Everyone's trying to do the right things. And for the most part, it's been guys putting in good performances as opposed to bad performances. So I've been pleasantly surprised with the soccer so far this week. Well, I, I want to ask a, a few questions then about the the soccer because. Um, you know, just and this is also from your experience being in the combine. You're thrown in with kind of all these other types of players. Uh, sometimes you're thrown in out of position, um, and you're there to. Everyone has to. There's no bonus points for like being a good team player because uh, you need to kind of stand out. Is that like a good, you know, situation to create? You know, to to be able to scout. I mean, what can you? Doesn't that make for bad soccer inherently? I don't know how to answer that question of what coaches are looking for. I often find that, you know, talking to coaches after the games or talking to people in the lobby, that the guy who stood out, especially, Wes, I don't know if you know this, but coaches often try and outthink themselves. They often try and think intelligent. Not that this is bad. You know, I'm not saying they're wrong, but it almost feels like the guy that had a great day they're thinking. They're trying to think to themselves. But did he? You know, did he go out of his? Did he play out of position? Things like that. You know. Um, so I often find that the guys who do stand out are the guys that we often try and find something wrong with, and it's the guys who put in more quiet performances. To after the games in the lobby, people are saying good things about. Well, I also, I mean, along with it, I'm. I assume that all of these players, you know, that all of these teams going into it, they have watched these guys play um in in some form and that that the scouting has already been done if you know if you've got minnesota has a number five pick right if minnesota's going into this without having scouted the guys who they think could you know whether that's five potential players or ten potential players who could go number five um i i would think that they'd be grossly negligent and so does does watching them it seems like you should have done your homework before now, and and if the combine has any effect on it, you might that that should be bad, right? I mean, or am I just making bad assumptions? Yeah, here? you would think so. No, that's that's what they say. Everyone at this point says if you make your decision based on the combine, you're doing the wrong thing. And that for the most part, at this point, the combine is the winter meetings. They are much more here to do trades, to talk, to spend time together, right. to do meetings, literally meetings with Garber and you know the, the MLS crew. Um, then watch the combine. They go to the games, of course, and they evaluate the players and take notes. But watching the combine games is only a small part of the week for the MLS clubs. And along with it are the the interviews. Um, and you kind of have a a, a a video on on doing the kind of combine interviews uh, on MLSsoccer dot com. I uh, how awkward or or are those? Is that is that a really difficult process? For either side, either party, they're they're scary. They're, I, I don't know. How, I I talked to Kurt Schmidt about this. Yes, from a player's perspective, they are a little scary. But from a team perspective, I have no idea what the team gets out of this. Right. So the, the coaches I talked to for an article I have up on the website right now basically said you're using it more to eliminate players than you are to find someone you really like. You know, you're trying to find someone that you don't want to spend time with, that you don't think will learn, that has, that has a bad life, lifestyle. Because for the most part, all these kids coming out of college is a self-selecting group. If you made it through four years of college, you're probably a decent person with a decent character. Right. Uh, but what I don't understand is, I heard a great line. This isn't necessarily true for soccer, but I heard a great line on ESPN once from an NFL scout. And he's like, yeah, we always try to evaluate character, but then we realize that we ask them to go on the field and rip each other's heads off. 
In soccer, you're obviously not as aggressive as football, but there's a little bit of that same thing. You're not asking the guy to go on the field and have a good character. You're asking him to go be a warrior. You're asking him to go be a soccer player. And to be a good player, you have to have you have to be delusional about your own ability. You've got to be confident. You've got to be brave. So I just I don't know how staffs distinguish what matters and what doesn't in these interviews, opposed to just feeling like they have to do something. Yeah, from a player's perspective, they're incredibly scary. You walk in that yeah. room, your heart is pounding. It's you. It's not only that. You walk into the suite. It's you, and it's like four grown men circled around you. You don't even know their names. You know the head coach, and there's three people you've never seen before taking notes and staring at you. So it's an incredibly intimidating process. I also think that if, if you've got a clear head case, you've heard about that from I mean, yeah. coaches know about about that from the college totally. world. So, college yeah, it's, coaches are being honest, the, the, even, even with your own guys. It doesn't help you at all to to talk somebody else up because all you have in, in this business, or I suppose life, is your reputation. So, if you say how great a guy is and he gets drafted and the coach hates him, that's going to reflect poorly on you. The MLS coach is going to tell other people, and then the next nine or ten guys you try and talk up, nobody's going to trust you. So, college coaches tend to be pretty honest. So, um. What what have you seen so far? What what's uh you know for for those who I, I've only watched the highlight videos uh, of the of the games and and uh, so why don't you tell our, our listeners who's stood out to you and and what types of things? Let's talk about the big names first. John Matinho seems very likely to go number one to LAFC for multiple reasons. One, he's young; he's eighteen. Two, he can play multiple positions. And LAFC, as you guys know on Expansion Side, tough to have depth. So to have a guy that can play left back, center back, center mid, probably left mid, means a lot for an expansion team. And John Matinho can play all those. Tomas Elliott Arce at Stanford, the center back, who some project to go one, will likely go two to the Galaxy, who would need a center back, or at least need center back depth. Uh, Tomas has not had a great couple days. Um, Tomas is one of those guys where he is what he is. Right Over four years, you, you trust that he is a good defender, that he's a good leader, that he's an okay passer. But on any given day, he doesn't look that great. He looks, he looks just above average. And, it's, and it takes a full body of work to make that worthwhile. So he's not one of these guys that's going to look good in three, three kind of freestyle games like this. Chris Mueller has looked good. You guys are probably familiar with at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, he's I the number 10. Chris Mueller, right? yeah. What's that? He's the number 10. Yeah, it's 20 assists for Wisconsin. Yeah. My worry is that every time he gets it, at Wisconsin he was asked to make something happen. But the problem is when you put him on the field with you know, David Akam and Schweinsteiger and Dax McCarty, they're going to get pissed at him for trying to make the, the killer pass every time. But with that said, he clearly has a comfort on the ball, a quickness and a speed of play that is higher than most players on the field. He's impressed me a lot. But Caro is clearly very good on the ball at Wake Forest, won the Herman Trophy, projected top 10 pick, but it's just a little slow on the ball. He holds it up and he slows the game down, which some coaches like. Me personally, I feel it hurts the rhythm of a team. Uh, if you guys want defensive midfielders, there's a guy all over Shannon out of Clemson who grew up in the Everton Academy who is very physical, can paint more of a, a, a ping long balls and a short passing kind of guy. But the guy who's played best in the six so far this has been Von Kazil out of College of Charleston. Um, spent, you know, grew up in France, and is just like a very meat and potato six, strong, physical, and tries to connect every single one of his passes, you know, a few yards. Yeah, well, you know, as as I've um, been trying to think of Minnesota's needs, um, it's it's hard to imagine, uh, you know. 
whether or not the team is going to go for well we just we just want to take the best player at number 5 or we do need to actually fill spots and and you know knowing Minnesota United they'll find uh, whoever a left winger is and they'll they'll bring that guy in um but uh, you know there are there are particular spots that need to be filled particularly with young people and that's the central of midfield that's all, all throughout the defense and um and they don't need uh, you know the f- forwards which which makes me which is really interesting coming into looking at there's so many forwards particularly in the generation adidas class and um throughout the the kind of top 10 uh players and so um i can't imagine they're going to double up you know they picked in Lottie last year and 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 that they've got christian ramirez pulling in another uh, top four, you know, young forward seems seems like a difficult thing. But I wonder, uh, you know, you uh, you guys, the MLS editorial, and and like all these conversations are happening. I'm sure Minnesota is very high on your list of like what are they going to do and what do they need. So I'm sure they're they're really the talk of the town. But um, how do you with throughout <laughs> all of these teams? Can I? Yeah, uh, I can tell you. I can tell you. I think who I think that they could or should take. For sort of, I don't think I would ever take an attacker. If there's different, well, I'm sure it's something you think about. When you do a draft, it seems to me that there's three options. You take a position of need. You know, you guys need a six. You probably need a center back and you need a right back. I mean, who slotted in if you were to start tomorrow at, right, at center back or right back? Boxel and... Well, we have, we've got Tisson right and Mears on, on right. It's probably more left because we just have Birch on the left, but... Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you did assign Mears. That's true. I mean, who knows what level he's at now. So you probably need a center back. Yeah. Like you said, need attackers, but if I'm a, if I'm a coach, you can either take for positional need, for the best available, or you take a lottery pick, right? You, you just you draft whatever person is the highest ceiling and hope they turn into yeah. a stud, right? So or for you, you guys, or you I trade think it away. <laughs> yeah, or you trade, yeah, or you get that's true. It's a really good, or you get other resources. If I'm you guys, I take Wyatt Onsberg. Your biggest hole. I mean, you got some minor holes potentially, but your biggest hole right now is at center back. I would take Wyatt Armsburg out of Duke with that number five pick at center back. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Manny and Ian and Adrian all listen to this podcast, so uh, you heard it here first, and they will take it, take does that Cal- advice. Yeah. And, does Calvo speak English? Um, oh, yeah, he does. He went to college, actually, in uh, in Texas for a little while. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. Okay. That's the one more thing I, can, I worry about is bringing in – a 22-year-old to play right away. And Minnesota yeah. center back is one of those positions that's up for grabs right away. There's not many of them. And I would have worried about having pairing him with a guy you couldn't speak to. But Yeah, well, really really, what it looks like for, for Minnesota is they've got um, Calvo, Boxall, and Coleman, all of them uh, at a certain level of serviceable. Calvo probably the best of them. But Calvo's going to be gone for the World Cup. So they do. they absolutely do need a center back, whether that's a draft need or... Uh, bring someone in above is another question, but um, I, I want to shift real quick just to that number one spot thing, um, which which is just to ask: like, does anyone actually have a clue what what the top one and top five might look like? Since considering from you know last year when we had the top spot, um, there was it was just it's going to be a Bobasi, right? You know, everyone just assumed that uh, Jeremy Bobasi would go to Minnesota. He dropped to I think three or four for Portland to take up. And, um, and I, I wonder, wonder how good we are at actually, I, people talk about their draft boards and who's up and who's down, but are, how good are we actually at, at 
projecting these things? I'm not going to answer that question directly because <laughs> I don't have a very good answer for it. But what I'll say is the general process is the people you see putting out mock drafts talk to agents, it's, they talk to teams, uh, and they talk to each other on both of those fronts. Right, So it's not a ton of watching college soccer at this point to try and say who the best players are. It's more talking to an agent who has talked to a team or a team who likes this guy. Um, but the answer is, yeah, Wes, that's a really good point. We're not great. Um, I would even argue that the blogs drive each other and the blogs drive the draft picks. Right, So who Matthew Doyle picks has a big influence, or who Matthew Doyle does in his mock draft has a big influence on who the next person or who Ivis puts on his influence somebody else and the coaches read that and they say, hmm, who are the top 10 picks? So I don't know how influential it is, but it's definitely a revolving door of information. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what's left uh, coming up for, for the Combine? What, what, what are you excited to see and uh, what, what will you be doing? I'm really excited for my sit-down with Ben Olsen tomorrow. I don't know if Ben knows this, if I ever said to him directly, but he was my favorite player growing up in MLS. Gave me the option to say, hey, who do you want to sit down with? And I said, Ben, right away. I'm excited to hear the way he thinks about setting up his team, the transition from player to coach. So I'm doing a sit down with Ben Olsen tomorrow and then also Tomas Eliarse to hopefully do a video. So I wrote the article today on what it's like to go through an interview as a player. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do an actual video where I'll sit across with Tomas and I'll grill him. And I had a couple of interesting questions that coaches asked me. So I'm going to drop them on Tomas. Fantastic. I look forward to that. Um, well, Bobby, thanks for taking some time out to, uh, you know, repeat the same thing. I'm sure you're repeating to everyone else uh, that, that you talked to about the Combine. Congrats on the new gig and uh, welcome back to the U.S. Thanks so much, man. I love, I love coming on this podcast. This is my favorite one. Yeah, you say that to all the podcasts. All right, Bobby. Take care. We'll see you on. Uh, that's, that's what happens when you take me home at two a.m. What? <laughs> exactly. All right, man. We will look forward to hearing you on, more on uh, Extra Time Radio and, and reading stuff at MLSsoccer.com. Thanks. Thanks. Man.